I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for TGIF, August 5th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance and tech, all in less than seven minutes. So Bloomberg had a really interesting story that they just came out with. And what they say or what they found was that some podcasting are charging $50,000 for people to be guests on them. What's your What's your immediate response to that? It depends what's podcast. Like, are they claiming it's some kind of aola that radio stations and the like don't have to adhere to well it's it, what would happen is that there was this one biohacking podcast and the guy would have expert guests on and i think he would still require that they be experts but he would also offer that they could join him for a small fee of fifty thousand dollars it's a pretty good living if he can make it happen so what do you think about having guests on the peak daily $50,000 a pop. I think <laughs> you, you tell me you're the boss. Well, you know, uh, let's just say everyone has a price. Day. That's not true. That's not true. It's going to be Jay and I, and we're giving you the news really quick in a fun way every single day. And you don't have to worry about any type of interference from other guests. We're going to keep this high quality. Fair enough. I, I was going to try to do math to see how many times you get Tiger Woods on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> for the seven or $800 million, million dollars they wanted to pay him for that live golf tournament. But that was really meshing yesterday's and today's podcast. Yeah, he would be, I'm not even sure he would be a good host. He's kind of emotionless if you listen to Tiger Woods. So I'd probably say no to Tiger because, you know, I, I like I said, we're going for really high quality guests here. We're going to have guests on the Peak Daily. I, I promise you it's going to be Elon Musk, Barack Obama, Justin Trudeau. Those, That's our target list. Those are the top three. Brett, aside from our top three future guests on the podcast, what do we have for Peak Palace on this Friday? For our first story, Nunavut miners may be out of jobs. For our second story, Italy is building a semiconductor factory. And for our last story, we might be getting close to self-driving. For her first story, over a thousand miners in Nunavut could be out of a job come September after receiving termination notices warning that their mine might be forced to shut down as it nears its yearly extraction limit. This is a really interesting development, Jay. So here's what's happening. The Mary River Mine on Baffin Island is awaiting a permit from the Ministry of Northern Affairs to increase the amount of iron ore it's allowed to extract and continue its operations till the end of the year. Currently, 4.2 million tons of iron can be extracted, with the mine asking to increase the extraction limit to 6 million tons, the same amount had it been extracted between 2018 and 2021. Now, the mine owned by private equity firm The Energy and Minerals Group, wow, what a name, and steel company... ArcelorMittal, <laughs> tough one, is currently in this precarious position after the federal decision process for a proposed expansion has taken much longer than expected. The mine planned to extract 6 million tons once this year, believing it could hear a decision on the proposed expansion. If it was approved, they could mine even more. And if it wasn't, they could simply apply once again for the 6 million ton allowance for next year. But as the year trickled on, no decision came, Brett. I'm going to change the peak's name to the newsletter and podcast group, Jay. <laughs> and here's why, and here's why this all matters. So the Mary River mine has an outsized impact on Nunavut's economy, accounting for 23% of its total GDP. An early closure would result in a massive financial hit for the territory and for miners losing their jobs since local options for local employment in the area are few and far between. For our second story, Italy is clinching a $5 billion deal with U.S.-based Intel to build an advanced semiconductor packaging and assembly plant in the country. Now, Jay, I'm, I'm really hoping that my next device and its semiconductor components don't come covered in pasta sauce. What's Italy up to? Maybe they would come in a super fancy car. But right now, yeah. one company in Taiwan makes about 90% of the world's most advanced semiconductors. So if China were to invade Taiwan, you can guess what would happen next. 
We talked about this yesterday. But naturally, the European Commission sprung into action by announcing the European Ships Act. It, it sounds like and they passed this earlier this year. And so it almost seems like the Americans copied them, not to accuse the U.S. government of anything, <laughs> but bringing its investment in the industry to 45 billion euros. And here's what you're talking about. In the U.S., the White House is close to signing a similar bill, the Chips and Science Act, worth 280 million U.S. dollars into law, a standout investment in industrial policy. Million. Billion, Jay. $280 oh. billion. Dollars. Big act. Meanwhile, in Canada, the federal government announced a pretty measly, we're going back to what you initially announced, a $240 million investment split between the semiconductor and photonics industry. So if you're wondering why Intel isn't building a factory in Canada, it might have something to do with the readiness of the U.S. and Europe to subsidize these projects. Now, chip supplies impact our everyday lives in every sector of the economy. But with billions being put towards incentivizing their production in other places, Canada will continue to struggle to attract factories of their own to develop these critical technologies. And for our last story, good news for people whose hands get super sweaty when they grip a steering wheel for too long. GM's advanced driver assist system, which is known as ADAS or I guess ADAS, will soon be available on more Canadian highways. Brett, how close are we to full self-driving cars? And might I just say, this is happening right when you got your license. I know. I really don't hope we're that close, Jay. I put so much work into getting that license. The last thing I want is for a switch to be flipped and we have full self-driving. So GM's Super Cruise feature will be compatible with 80,000 kilometers of Canadian roadways by year's end, up from just 24,000 kilometers previously. Super Cruise can only be used on routes that GM has mapped and approved, but soon it will work on undivided highways, ones with barriers between opposing lines of traffic, which you may be familiar with, Brett, as well including large swaths of the Trans-Canada Highway. Now, the feature uses a combination of real-time cameras, radar sensors, and GPS data and mapping data collected by GM to allow for hands-free driving and even lane changes on one-lane highways. And here's why it matters. Contrary to some false advertising, fully self-driving cars are actually not for sale yet, but signs are pointing in that direction. Well, wink, wink, Tesla. Now, GM claims it's still to be released system for premium cars called Ultra Cruise will be able to handle 95% of driving scenarios on every paved road in Canada. As self-driving assistance has grown, so have concerns about safety and driver comprehension, as most ADAS-related crashes happen when drivers misuse or misunderstand the technology. And the bottom line is that if autonomous cars are the way of the future, Canadian drivers might need more education and training, please know, on the delicate <laughs> skill of driving without actually driving. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, you're not really rooting against autonomous vehicles, are you? Well, like my, the whole plan, Jay, was that I was going to wait out never getting my license so that autonomous would then come around and I would never have to actually go do the test. But now that I've done the test, I'm actively rooting against it because I've already put the work you, in. I think you just jumped the gun. Your timing was off. I know. Well, have a good weekend, Brett. Yeah, you too, Jay.